You know, Pastor Michael, for those of you who had a chance to catch it last night, had a, had a message on the night that Jesus was betrayed. That's the way the Apostle Paul referred to it. And obviously, Jesus went through many betrayals uh, in that process. You know, even where Peter betrayed him, Judas betrayed him. And, you know, it, you know, many of them all just walked away and deserted him in his time of need. And I think that's the part that I really just want to bring out for just a moment. Jesus was going into one of the, the, the most difficult things that he had ever experienced, obviously, in his life. This was taking on the full wrath of God at the cross. And just as he's coming into that process, he had just went through the Last Supper, which we're gonna take up a little bit later in the service today. But in that, in that process, he was doing it with humility. He was doing it as a servant. He was still serving the people, washing their feet, etc. And then he gets betrayed, right, when he needs needs the support the most. And so I think that this is, is very significant, even as we are celebrating and, and, and the worship of God on Good Friday today is betrayal can be, a, can be a big wound, right? Most people have been betrayed in their life, am I right? And, and when you've been betrayed, it's generally not something that you just kind of, you know, flick off and wash away, you know, it, it, it wounds you in a way that sometimes can really be long lasting. And I just really believe that that's something we just want to pray about today is, you know, sometimes it may, may have been years ago, it may have been decades ago that you were betrayed. It could have been last week, but sometimes it's just been lingering underneath the surface. And, and I believe that today is the day that we're going to pray and break through the heaviness of that betrayal and get it out of our lives. You guys with me on that? So, Father God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, for all those who have been just deeply wounded, Father, through betrayal in their lives. That, Lord Jesus, you are the God, Elroy, who sees them. And Father God, you, you know, Father, what they have been through as you have been betrayed. And Father, I know that, Father, you took that betrayal for us at the, at the cross through the whole process of the plan of redemption, Lord, so that we can take the burdens of the betrayal and cast them onto you this day. Father, we choose, and if this is you and you need to just choose, then just say it. I choose to release forgiveness. I choose to release the burden of betrayal to you, my God. I choose to let it go. I choose to be free from it and healed. Jesus said to the, to the man at the pool of Bethesda who was laying there for 40 years, and he was there, and Jesus, you know, and he was complaining at first, you know, I have no one to put me in the water. And Jesus looked at the man and he said, do you want to be made whole? And that's the question. Do you want to be made whole? Or are you content holding on and being in the state that you are and saying, hey, I'm okay, I'll get by? Christ is giving you the opportunity to be made whole today. Hallelujah. Why don't you just pray with me right now? Just if you know how to pray in tongues, go ahead and pray in tongues. We're not going to pray a long time, but I want to just 
pray for the hearts of the people right now. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are just touching the hearts of the people right now, God. I thank you, Father, that the things that have been uh, tearing their hearts apart, the things that have been ripping that heart apart, God, that they are restored again and they are made whole. I thank you, Father, that you are the God of restoration, and today is the day that we can walk in healing. So today, Father, we choose to be made whole. We choose to bind our will to your will and our mind to your mind, God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are going before us, that you are planning the pathway before us, Father, and that we are taking the steps forward. God, I thank you for redemption. I thank you that you are Jehovah Goel, the Lord, our Redeemer, and I thank you for what you have done on the cross, for what you did for us, and how you redeemed us from the curse of the law. Today, God, we thank you for who you are. We give you praise in the moment that we're in right now, and we say we thank you for making us in this moment. I thank you for creating me fearfully and wonderfully in my mother's womb. God, I thank you for a great gift of life. I thank you, Lord Jesus, even those people, I feel like there are people here who feel like you are a mistake. And maybe your parents have said to you that you were the mistake, but God is here to say, you're not a mistake. He's here to say that he thought of you even before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew you and he says, all the thoughts I have for you are good and not evil. And he says, all the thoughts that I have for you go beyond all of the grains of sand and the earth today. And so he wants you to know today, you are here for a purpose in this time for a reason because he wanted you you are wanted you are loved you are valued you are treasured he loves you in jesus name in hebrews 13 5 and 6 it says that your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have for he has said i will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may say boldly that the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what shall man do to me. God makes a promise. What does he say? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Christ may have been left and forsaken in the cross, or sorry, at the cross in the garden, but you know what? He promises to you, look to the one next to you and say it. He says, I will not ever leave you nor forsake you. Say it again leave you i will not forsake you say it one more time i will not leave you nor forsake you because you may have been left and forsaken before but god will not leave you nor forsake you in your time of need you know it reminds me even of that old it's, it's an old old poem was it called a poem uh, called footprints Guys, remember the, the for those who don't remember but there's a there's a poem and, it, and it's just basically talking about a gentleman and he's like you know, there was two, two footprints that were walking along the beach sand. And, and he says, and he's having this conversation with God, and I'm paraphrasing here. And he basically says, Lord, but in every time, you know, I, I saw that you were with me in life. But whenever I went through the hard times, there was only one set of footprints. And he was like, you know, I, I just felt so alone. And, and God said, God says to him, he goes, my son, those footprints were not yours. He goes, those, that was when I carried you in those seasons and God carries you in those seasons because he doesn't leave you nor forsake you. Amen. 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 Have anything else? No. All right. You guys may be seated. Thank you band for singing hymns today. How many enjoyed singing some hymns this morning? And 
and uh, just I enjoyed uh, getting to sing. I, I don't normally get to sing a lot of uh, hymns. You know, Sherry will put them on on her Spotify list all the time, and and most of the time I have a Spotify list that says you know anything but Sherry's hymns. You know, and uh, but she really likes hymns, and uh, I think some of you guys do too. So. There's some, some great benefits to that. Anyways, I just want to quickly take up uh, the offering, if we can, today. Uh, why don't we just give some praise to God for that? And, uh, and I'm just going to bless it. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for those who have the opportunity to, to sow into your kingdom this day, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you are just blessing them. The Father, God, that you've given them seed, that you've given seed to the sower this day. And I thank you, Lord, that it's bearing fruit, Father, not only in their last, but also in the kingdoms. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, just bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to sow into Inspiration 9, the, the ushers got envelopes that you may do such. You can put, there's an offering in the back. You can put by check. You can send in by mail, or you can just send in simply by email transfer at info at i9church.com. God is doing a great thing uh, in our midst. I'm hoping hopefully soon we'll, we'll do an update for you guys, uh, even on the financials uh, from last year uh, as well. So anyways, with that, no longer ado. Let's get started. We're going to get started on today's message. You guys ready for that? All right. All right. Well, today we get to continue on in our celebration of Holy Week and what Jesus did on the cross. How many know we call this Good Friday because this is a day that we get to celebrate his death leading into his resurrection. And so we are excited today. But how many know the whole plan of redemption had to have been carefully orchestrated? Like the entirety of things, it was all planned well before uh, God created um, the heavens and the earth. It was, it was created before Lucifer fell. It was, it was there before man fell. And it leads all the way up until we get to, you know, Palm Sunday when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. And as he arrives in Jerusalem, you know, we heard Pastor Brian share a bit last week, which by the way, he has his full teaching on that that's going to be available online later today, um, probably around um, dinner time or something. So you guys can catch that. But on Palm Sunday, what happened was Jesus enters into Jerusalem riding on this donkey. And everybody lined the, uh, the streets and they were waving palm branches at him. And they were basically saying as they were waving these palm branches, we recognize you as the Messiah. We recognize that you are holy and we are ready for you to overturn the government. See, their minds were in this place that what he was going to do was earthly. And as the Messiah came, they knew all the prophecies and they knew that the Messiah was coming. And so what they thought was that he was going to come and actually overthrow the government in the physical world. How many know sometimes we get a little distracted like that too, where God says something to us and then we translate it into that it's in this world that we've got to accomplish this. But as they do this, he's, he's riding in there. They didn't know that what he was actually gonna do was going to die on the cross and redeem them, the whole world, from their sins. So he wasn't just gonna save a small little town. He wasn't just gonna save a select few people. His plan of redemption went beyond that, beyond all of their understanding, and it went to the cross where he freely gave his life for us and laid everything down so that we could have an opportunity to live new life. And so we pick up, where are we picking up in the story? We're going to pick up in, the, uh, in Luke 22, 39 to 46. 
Yes, and this is leading this up into is the cross. leading up. This is right after Christ uh, has uh, the Last Supper with the with the disciples, and uh, he's he's going off, and we're gonna we're gonna talk here. He goes into the Mount of Olives. I just wanted to quickly make a quick comment on here. It wasn't in her notes, but Sherry was just talking about how the plan of redemption was in place from the very beginning. You know, it was well before all of creation and all this fun fun stuff that took place. And I, I just remember um, there was, I think it was. Uh, I had watched some science thing, I can't remember, Lou uh, uh, Giglio or whatever it was, and it was just talking about, you know, like the cell structure of like the tiniest of the things that went into, you know, all living life or cells was this, like this cell called laminin, and the laminin actually was, uh, you know, the, the, the makeup of that actual, the DNA of that cell was actually looked like a cross. And I just thought it was kind of something really cool, you know, that Christ was there, you know, the plan for that was there in the very beginning when God started all of, all of creation. So anyways, we're going to read here in the Mount of Olives, and it says in Luke 22, it says, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed to. This means that he's been there before. And his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. I mean, you guys can figure out how far can you throw a stone, right? And then he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, it is, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. That's some serious stress. <laughs> when he rose up from prayer, he had come to his disciples and he found them sleeping with sorrow. And then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Now, I read it in that version, which is in the Gospel of Luke. But I also want to read today, I want to read this as well in the Gospel of Matthew. It has a little bit of some elaborations on a few different elements of it, okay? So in Matthew 26... Starting in verse 36, I'm going to read this here. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my father, I'm sorry, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and he fell on his face Praying, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. None, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, a second time. He went and he prayed, saying, O oh, Father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink of it, your will be done. And then he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were weary. Does it sound like there's a pattern that's going on here? Jesus goes and pray. He comes back. The disciples are not. Right? They're sleeping here. So he left. You know what? And it says a third. It says he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. And then he came back and he said to the disciples, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hand of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. 
I think this is, uh, this is actually kind of funny because how many of you guys have ever felt like that in your prayer times where all of a sudden you catch yourself that you nodded off? And you're, you're reading your Bible or something, and all of a sudden you wake up and you're still holding your Bible. Or you're trying to pray, and then all of a sudden you're realizing that you were sleeping. I remember when I was, when I was younger, one of the things my parents used to say, if we were having trouble sleeping at night, just pray in the Holy Ghost. You'll fall asleep real quick. So I made a habit every night of praying in the Holy Ghost before I went to bed. So when I first started kind of incorporating, you know, praying as, as a bigger part of my life, I remember struggling with staying awake because to me, the trigger was that when I pray in tongues, I'm going to sleep. And so, so there are times when we're praying and we just find ourselves nodding off. And this is what, what's happening with the disciples here. But this isn't actually the part that I want to bring out. The part I want to bring out is the place where they're at. The place where they came is the Mount of Olives, or called Gethsemane. And the word Gethsemane actually means place of crushing. And it's basically filled with um, many olive trees, trees. Has anybody ever been there before? I've been there before. Let me tell you, this place is amazing. It's filled with olive trees. And then what happens is they would grow the olives and then they would crush them with a stone. And some of these trees are like 900 years old. And they would crush them using a stone and just pressing and pressing. And what would happen is as they pressed and as they crushed these, stone, these olives, uh, an oil would flow forth. And then they would collect it in a jar underneath um, the press. And so why is this all relevant that Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and we're talking about it being a place of crushing? And it's because sometimes we find ourselves in a place of crushing and we find ourselves where we're walking through things that we don't understand and we feel very hard pressed. And what can come out of that is a great oil that flows out. And instead of, you know, being like Brian used to, um, he had this analogy one time when we were uh, making popcorn, we were going to watch a movie. And as he's making the popcorn, the kernels are popping, right? It was an air popper. And then he finished it, and there were still three kernels left in there. And he's like, I'm going to pop these until they pop. Like, I'm going to keep this on until they pop. I'm How like, many are stubborn like that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so he turns it back on, and it's going, and it's going, and it's going. And so one pops. I'm like, okay. And a couple minutes later, a second one pops. And then he's waiting, waiting. Five minutes goes by. Six, seven, eight minutes. And the last one was not. Like that, it, sucker it was, that sucker was scorched, it was, it was burned, it was fried. So he decides he's not going to let it stay in there. It's not, he's not going to let this, this kernel um, conquer him. not going to conquer me. I am going to be the conqueror of that kernel. So he takes it out of the, um, of, of the popper, puts it on the ground, and goes to the garage and grabs a hammer. He says, I will crush this kernel. <laughs> And so what I'm saying is that in the I place of crushing, sometimes we are so holding on to that we're in this place of crushing and it, and it overwhelms us, but we're holding on like that kernel. We're not allowing the sweet oil to flow through. What's happening is we're beginning to be hardened. And, but what happens is then you begin to be crushed in a bad way. And the hammer comes out and, and nobody wants to walk through that. When you're being crushed, God will bring it about for his good. He will bring it about for his glory. And this is where they were at in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a place of crushing. And so when he says, I want to read actually in Mark 14, 32. 
It says, they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. This phrase, I don't know, while I was reading this, this just, I, I got stuck on this for a second. Because when it says, sit here while I pray, what it's actually saying is to settle in here for the next season. And so he was telling them in the place of crushing to settle down, stay in the crushing, stay in the pressing for this next season. It's only for a season, but it might be long, but it's only for a season. And this is where, where they're at with it. And so he does. And so I'm wondering, like, does this ever feel like this is where you're at? Where you're, you're in the place of crushing and God is saying, just settle in here for a minute because it might be a little while, but I got you. I'm with you. Amen? You know, as you were saying that, one of the things that actually stood out to me is, is that, you know, we're talking a little bit here about even Christ as he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane there, the, the olive press, and, and he goes into his place of crushing, and we know that he goes out of the garden afterwards into his passion and into the, the cross and the crucifixion at the cross, and then three days later, into the, uh, he comes out of the grave victorious, right? But, but I just thought about this here for a moment, too, is, is that as, as he gave and he told the, the disciples, he said, you know, to settle in into this season, you know what? The disciples' season didn't just end there, right? They, they were in a season even afterwards, right, where they had to go. They went into a season of not really knowing what to do. They were kind of in that season of being lost. And, and, and it wasn't until the day of Pentecost, which was, I think, what, 50 days later or something that took place, that they ended up, you know, where the Holy Spirit arrived. And they were still, what were they still doing at that point? Praying. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I think what's really important here that we want to bring out is, is that even is, is even a little bit about the oil here. You know, we're, we're doing a message. I think it's uh, next week we're going to actually start talking a little bit more about anointing oil and so forth. But, but I want to bring this out here today because I think this is really significant for us to understand, right? Is oil and anointing oil are really representations of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so in this particular case, the presence of God is present with, with the anointing. When we see the anointing oil, the power of God always flows through this here. People who were anointed, you know, were, were anointed for a specific cause. They were there empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to accomplish a specific plan or purpose that God had for them on their lives. And when that takes place, right, so Jesus was here in the garden. And he's, he's here with, you know, and God the Father, and, and, and everyone's kind of in this particular process, right? And he starts to release through in this crushing place. There's a squeezing out of the oil of God, which is the Holy Spirit, which is going to end up being manifest on the day of Pentecost. But it's also bringing him through this process that he's going to be going through with the Passion at Calvary. So we already see in that crushing what is really taking place as Christ begins the redemptive work of God and that oil is already, it's already coming out. It's already starting to leak forth into the earth right now. So Jesus really, he goes in and, and, and he's in this place of anguish. He's really, he's here. And, and what he really identified here in this garden, and we're going to talk more on this right now, is he prayed. You're in the crushing places. You're in those difficult times. You know what the last thing that you want to do is? Pray. You know, it's like, 
I'm so tired. Work was exhausting today. Life is exhausting. You know, my children are exhausting. The wife is exhausting. My husband's exhausting, right? Like everything, like I don't know how many times even on a Monday night when we're about to pray, it's like the two hours beforehand, there's nothing that I want to do but sleep. You know, you're just, I'm tired. I don't want to pray, <laughs> right? But here's what, you know, but, but there's, there's an important part. God prayed. And it was a prayer that really brought him through that particular season of time. Absolutely. And prayer is such a vital part of our lives. And, you know, even as he's talking about this, I'm thinking even while we were fasting, I had my parents come by and Sarah was by, Pastor Brian was praying with me too. But I remember like I had to get up early and, you know, when you're fasting, you feel a little bit like you're a little bit sluggish. And for me, what happened to me was everything in my mind just escaped. It was, it was just gone. It was blank. Like, you know, the Lego movie when they go into his mind and they're like, what's in your mind? And there was nothing there. That's what I felt like through fasting. And so then I have to wake up and pray. And I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to pray when I, I have no words? I have no thoughts to turn into words or anything. And I said, okay, God, like I'm faithful to come do this. I'm going to do it. And so we're going to do it. And we did. And then once we started praying, like it just, it just begins to flow and you just kind of get into it. And so it's that initial part of praying that, that is that struggle. But once you dive into it, man, you are refreshed, you are energized, you are encouraged, and it just brings you to a new place. And Jesus, I want to talk about Jesus's prayer. This is in Mark 14. We already read 32. I'm going to continue on to 36. It says, so he said, tells them to sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply uh, distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further, fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will but what you will. And see, Jesus' state here was very distressed. And, you know, I think it's, I find it interesting that Jesus, you know, he's, he's God. He's all-powerful. He's all-encompassing. He's El, El Shaddai. He's the, the sufficient one. But in this moment, you know what he felt in his natural human body? Stress. He was distressed and he began to pray and cry out, God, if there is any other way that this can happen, because he knew exactly what he was about to face. He knew that he was going to face shame, rejection, pain, hurt, betrayal, all of these things. But not only that, he knew he was going to experience the full wrath of God on him and all of the sins of everyone in the world. And that part was so difficult and so straining, but he prayed through it. He says, God, if there is any other way, please let it be done. But nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. And that's the thing is that when we're going through things, when we're, when we're pressed, when we're crushed, when we're going through all of that, that stuff, we want to pray, God, you know, if there's another way, but if not, I'm here. Let your will be done, not my will be done. You know, as we were going even through the last 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I kind of shifted a little bit on my thought processes as we went through this, because, you know, one of the things I've kind of identified a little bit is a lot of times when we pray, 
we are praying for the most part. I, I, I don't know if you know you're just me or is this is just whatever, but you know, I found that a lot of times I pray and I'm praying a lot of times related to my needs, right? Or my circumstances. And, and I'll extend that out to like, you know, like even like, you know, your family around you, you know, they're just an extension of you, right? And, you know, so, you know, you're praying for your family, you're praying for your children, you're praying for your brothers and your sisters and so forth. And I really realized, you know, that a lot of the things that, you know, we pray about are very, you know, me-centric, okay? And so I started to realize, you know, we preached a message the other day, you know, even on repentance and intercession. And it really, you know, started to me, you know, and one of the things I said is, is like, what are we really focused on when we pray? And so intercession was praying for other people. And I really thought, you know, a, a lot more. So I, this was the first time that I really felt like I fasted and prayed a lot and even more and interceded for other people than I interceded for my specific circumstances or situations. And Jesus was doing this. He was paying attention to everything that was going on around him. And here he is, you know, he's praying about, you know, my, not my will, but yours be done. And he does this three times in his prayer that carries him through. And then it says in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, the scorning, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know what? When Christ was in the garden, when Christ was making these decisions to go full, go full force into the wrath of God to redeem mankind, you know what was on his mind? You were. You were. You were, it says, for the joy set before him, it was you and I that his, he was interceding, he was praying. And now it says that he sits on the right hand of God, interceding for you and I. And when we are often in those particular states, right, a lot of times what God is wanting us to do is get our eyes off of ourselves and get our eyes on others. Absolutely. And so when he went to the cross, he he submitted to God's will, right? He said, not my will, but your will be done. And he submitted. And I want to just throw this little part about submission in here because submission tends to be a, a taboo kind of world word in today's world, right? How many have heard that like, ugh, or kind of cringe a little bit when you hear the word submission? Submission, the way I want to describe it here is it's you're coming underneath the main mission and you're there supporting it so that it can have full growth to be able to accomplish what it's meant to do. So when you're submitting to God, you're saying your will and I am here, whatever you need, I'm going to accomplish it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put my hand forth to the plow. That is submission to his will. When you're married, it's to, to my husband. I'm underneath him and I say, you know what? The plans, the visions that you have for, for us that we have together, I'm coming underneath you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever is needed to accomplish what we need together. And that's what submission is. And so Jesus submitted to the cross. And he knew the pain, the agony, and the, the torment that he was going to go through on the cross. But he knew the plans and the purposes. He knew the reason for it. And that's the hard thing. Sometimes we feel like we need to know the reason before we do something. But God says, when you submit to me, eventually you'll know the reason. But you won't always know it immediately. And that's okay. You have to still trust him that he's got you there for a reason. Amen? 
You know, there's, in, in this particular verse, it says, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See my betrayers at hand. And then in verse 38, it says this, but he talks about watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, we talked a few minutes ago just about how often, you know, you know, Sherry had some great parenting, you know, love my, my in-laws, but you know, the sleeping portion of praying in the Holy Spirit, you know, I think was wonderful. I, I'm just, <laughs> but, but here's the thing is, when we pray, I don't know how many times it comes up. I told you, I said, you know, where I'm tired or you're, you know, you're tired, but, but a lot of times we go into prayer and we think that it's exhausting. Okay. That, I mean, that was typically the way that I was, you know, even raised. It's like, I don't want to pray. It's so much energy to be able to pray. Okay. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? I'm going to have to say you're still there, but it's like it's so much energy to be able to pray. But I really believe that one of the things that God, you know, revealed to us, you know, over the last little while is, is that when we pray, the spirit becomes alive. When we're going through the fast, you're walking around pretty lethargic at times. I don't got a whole lot of energy, but you know what happens when you start praying? The life of God all of a sudden rises up and that spirit man tells that flesh to just go aside. And the spirit man empowers your flesh to be able to join into agreement with what God is doing. And you know what? You feel invigorated. You feel alive. And you know what? I don't know how many times I told you I started in prayer on Monday nights and I'm tired. But I finished prayer rejuvenated. And I believe that when we are submitted into the will, plan, and purposes of God, as Christ was submitted into the purposes of God there in Calvary, that there was this power, right, that really came in and just connected him with the power that was being released through the Holy Spirit through that crushing process into the earth. And that is really what is enabling us to be able to go forth and to be empowered to do each of the individual missions that we have in our last, but also what we have corporately together as a body of Christ, not only as a church, but as the larger body of Christ as well, as we work together in that mission. Amen. Why don't you guys all stand with me to your feet? If you don't have a communion element, just raise your hand and the ushers will bring you a communion but when Jesus went to the cross, we said this already, is that he saw your face before him. He knew that you were the reason why he needed to go through what he went through. And so I want you to take the, take the bread right now and just break it. And as you reflect on this, Know that this was a representation of his body that was broken for you. How he was whipped, he was bruised, he was cursed at, he was shamed, he was betrayed. He endured all of this, all of your sins, past, present, and future, he took upon himself. The agonizing pain that he would have went through, he said was worth it because you needed a relationship with God the Father. So Father, as we take this bread, I thank you that your body was broken for us. I thank you, Lord, that there is healing in that brokenness, God. 
and even the inward wounds, Father, I thank you that you're restoring those today to be made whole. I thank you, Father, that you thought of us and all your thoughts were good. I thank you that you created us fearfully and wonderfully made. And Father, as we partake of this bread, we just thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross. In Jesus' name. You know, Good Friday, we really celebrate the whole passion of our Lord. When he went to the cross at Calvary, as, as we talked about, he took on the full wrath of God so that you didn't have to take it on. The reason why the wrath of God was poured out is because of sin being released into the earth, right? There's a penalty for sin and the penalty for sin is death and eternal separation from God, eternal death. And that's what Christ did. And that is why he went to the cross is because the relationship with God was broken. Death was upon you and me, and we were separated from God for eternity. So God took the wrath because you know what? He was the only one who could. He was the flawless lamb of God. And he went to that cross willingly says, they didn't take my life from me. I willingly laid it down. This was all part of the plan for God because he loves us so much that he died on that cross for you, that you could have eternal life. What does John 3, 16 say? But have eternal life. That's the whole, the whole point is to be restored back into eternal life with our Lord and our Savior. You know, if, if, if you, you know, even, I, I wanna, we're gonna take the blood up, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the cup up today in just a moment. But, you know, even if you, you know, whether you're watching online today or you're here in the service, if you need to make God the Lord and Savior of your life, there's always, there's an opportunity for you and I'm going to have Sherry even just lead us through even a prayer of salvation. But I want to make this real clear for you. Loving God is not salvation. When we love God, that's one thing. But it says that we make him Lord and Savior by repenting and acknowledgement of our sins and taking on the work that he did for us at Calvary to cleanse us of our sins and all unrighteousness. And then we submit to him as our Lord and our Savior. Before we pray this prayer, the, when it says that Jesus was betrayed, mm -hmm. the word betrayed actually talks about surrendering of oneself. And Jesus' life wasn't taken from him. His, he, he gave it up willingly. He submitted himself and he surrendered himself. And so if this is you and you feel like you wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life, this is your opportunity to surrender to him. Nobody's forcing you, nobody's taking it from you, but this is your opportunity to say, God, I surrender everything to you. So if you wanna pray this with me, you guys can all repeat after me. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I'm a sinner. In need of a savior. In need of a savior. 
I thank you. I thank you for dying on the cross. For dying on the cross. The shedding of your blood. The shedding of your blood for my sins. For my sins. Thank you that you have redeemed me. Thank you that you have redeemed me. I receive your forgiveness today. I forgive your forgiveness today. And I make you the Lord of my life. And I make you the Lord of my life. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. That I am now in the kingdom of God. That I am now in the kingdom of God. That you hear my prayer. That you hear my prayer. That you hear my cry. You hear my cry. And that you answer me. And that you answer me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you said that prayer today, you can confidently know that you surrendered yourself over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And he, you are now part of the kingdom of God. Congratulations. And so we take this blood and, or the cup here today and remember the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for our sins. And I want you guys to take that and partake in this as we remember the goodness of God and his plan of salvation for us. Amen. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for a great healing that's going across right now. I thank you, Father, for every person as they go about their day today, as they go through celebrations for those who have family, Father, but those who don't have family. God, I thank you that you're bringing people into their path to be able to uh, join with them. And I thank you, Father, that you would open people's eyes to see that they are not alone, that you are with them, and that there are people that are around them and surrounding them. We thank you for your word today. We thank you that we get to celebrate the goodness of what you did, what you accomplished on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, that concludes the end of this service today. Look at the one next to them. Tell them that they're a blessing. Have a great day. You are dismissed. And we'll see you back on Easter Resurrection Sunday.